Hey, welcome to Church Experience Online. We're so happy you joined us today. As you watch this teaching video, if you have any questions or need help getting connected, please don't hesitate to reach out by phone or email. Also, our website is the best place to go if you would like to access helpful growth steps, resources, join a servant team, connect in a life group, get your questions answered, or support this moment financially by giving online. At the end of this teaching video, you'll hear one of our Church Experience Worship original songs, and we hope that gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned. Thanks again for joining us at Church Experience Online. I'm here at my favorite beach in the whole world, Clearwater Beach, and I love this beach. I mean, it is so fun. Every time I come here, I think, why don't I come here more often? It's so much fun. In fact, I have a lot of great memories here that make it even better. See, we have family memories here. I have a picture that I love of me throwing my kids in the water, and you might look at this picture and say, well, he loves that picture because it represents good family time. And it does, but the reason I really love it is because it was really fun to launch my kids. <laughs> now that they're getting bigger, it's a lot harder to do. I also have some great memories with our church family here. We baptized a lot of people and just seeing lives transformed and, and getting to baptize them at sunset right at Clearwater Beach. It's incredible. We have another one of those coming soon. I hope you'll be a part of it. And just so many great memories here. Well, every year in April, there's something pretty epic that happens right here at our beach and it's called the Pier 60 Sugar Sand Festival. And this is where master sand sculptors from all over the place merge onto Clearwater Beach and under a tent they build these massive and beautiful sand sculptures. And these sand sculptures are so incredible. I mean, it's something that you look at and you think, how in the world did they do that? And how does it stay together and not fall apart? It's amazing. Well, if you've ever been here in April, you're amazed too by all that you see. Now, I've personally built a lot less glorious sand sculptures in my time and uh, every summer when we go meet up with Jennifer's family in, in North Carolina and we go on the beach there and we we build our sand sculptures and and it's really fun in fact we'll build a sand castle it's kind of like our annual tradition and we all pitch in and do different parts of it but I, I noticed something interesting that, that every morning when I come out after we've built this amazing sand castle I come out the next day and it's never there on the East Coast, the tide comes in and it washes away everything that you build on the beach. It's, it's no longer there. You know, also curiously, when you come to Clearwater Beach every May, every June, and you, you walk the beach, maybe you're expecting to see those glorious sand sculptures that have been created. You walk around the beach and you're thinking, where are they? They're gone. The, the beach has been leveled. It's flat. There's, there's nothing. What's happened? What's up with that? You know, this can be a discouraging thing in our lives when we try to build something great. And we feel like the constant pressure of life, the storms of life, the wind of life come and, and it, just like a wave, it, it washes away, it erodes what we're trying to build. You know, isn't this the real challenge of life? You know, we, always, we all want to build a great life, hashtag living my best life. <laughs> we, we all want that. But, but the real problem is that it's not easy to build a great life because right about the time you think you've got it figured out, the problems come. You, know, you, you finally feel good about your career 
and then your boss changes or technology changes or something shifts in the economy and, and all of a sudden what you thought was solid and what you thought was put together and going well is now being washed away. You might feel good about your family and you feel really good about your marriage but then there's a kid problem that you can't figure out or maybe a problem at school that you can't figure out. Or maybe you feel great about the kids but then something pops up on the marriage front. Maybe right about the time you figure out your money. You're like, man, I finally got out of debt or I finally got my finances in order. I finally put a budget together. Right about that time when you feel things are coming together, then the unexpected happens. Car breaks down. An urgent home repair is required. Some other financial crisis, including maybe a big medical bill. Something just pops up and all of a sudden, what you thought was good is now being eroded away. Like a wave that comes onto the shore and destroys a, a beautiful sandcastle that you've put a lot of hours into building. You know, this is a big problem with life. The things that we try to build, the things that we think are lasting, are not as lasting as we'd like them to be. I've titled this message, Built to Last, because I think it's a longing in all of our hearts to build something that lasts. But living in a world where things are so temporary, it's a big problem. Because you know, right about the time that you do something or you feel successful, it's right about the time that life starts to fade into the later years and we're, we, we're born and then we, we die and then we're forgotten. It's the pattern of life. It's a huge problem. And, and Jesus spoke to this very real, very practical issue that all of us have to wrestle with when it comes to building something that lasts. And he brought it up in a story. In Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 24, it says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So Jesus is telling us here that if we want a life that's built to last, then we have to build it on His Word. We have to build it on a relationship with God. And notice how specific He gets. It's not just generically believe in God or even build your life on a relationship with God, which is true, but it's more specific than that. See, He says, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. So it's not just gaining the information about God, it's taking it and applying it to our life, it's living it out. That's where the real impact is made in our life. That's where you build something that actually lasts. And he says that these words of mine, so it's, it's built on his words, not man's words, it's his truth, not man's ideas, and that's, that's how we build a life that lasts. Now notice here that he doesn't say that you won't be shaken. So we've already talked about how the problem in life is that everything that we build, it, it, it can be shaken. It can be washed away by the rain and by the, the wind and by the waves. And Jesus doesn't say that those things won't come. He says there will be wind. That when, when the rain comes, he promised us in Scripture, he said, in this life you will have problems. So the earthly can be shaken. And that's the problem with not having faith and not living for the eternal because if everything's about the earthly, it can be shaken at any time. But when you center on the eternal and an eternal relationship with an eternal God, then you won't be shaken. He said, it's like building your house on a rock instead of the sand. The sand can be washed away, but when you're building your life on the rock, that's a life that's built to last. And you won't be shaken because you're attached to a God that won't be shaken. 
You live in a frail body that will be shaken. You live in a world that can be shaken. You can have a career or finances or health that can be shaken. But you and your spirit and your soul, as you're adopted into the family of God and in a relationship with Him, you won't be shaken because He's an unshakable God. And so Jesus here is trying to illustrate this, this truth. He's trying to help us understand that it's, it's gaining knowledge of God that matters, but also applying that knowledge to life. And, and here's the first lesson in your teaching notes. To, to live a life that's built to last. Here's how we think about things. My goal is to live what I learn. To live what I learn. What I learn from God, from His Word, and when I apply it, when I live it out, that's when the real transformation takes place. So the wind's going to come. The storms are going to come in our life. There's going to be problems. There's going to be issues. But once I start applying God's Word to my life, it changes how I think about money. It changes how I think about my stuff. It changes how I think about my time here on earth and my relationships. It changes everything when I apply it. But more than that, more, does, more than just giving me a practical perspective and a different way of looking at my life, it really helps me build something that's going to last. Because the problem with being successful in this life is it's just short-term success. There's, there's an expiration date on it. You know, every, every tombstone that you look at, it has two dates on it. There's a, a birth date and then there's a death date. And that little dash in between, that's our life and it's, it's very short. The Bible calls it a breath. It comes and it goes. And so, so how do you live that when you get to that second date, that you've built something that's still standing, that's not forgot, uh, forgotten, that, that really mattered? Well, you, you, you apply God's word, you live out his truth in your finances, in your family, in your career, in every aspect of who you are and what you do in this life. You live for the eternal, you live for God and you apply it. And that allows you to live a life that's eternal. And that's really the message of the gospel. You know, because of our sin, we have a debt that we couldn't pay. And no success would be good enough to overcome the failures of our sin. And no success would be permanent because we would all stand before a holy God one day and give an account for our sins. Even though we did a lot of good, there wasn't going to be any good that was good enough to cover over our sin. So God, in His kindness, He's rich in mercy. He saw our sin debt. He sent His Son, Jesus, to die on a cross for our sins, to pay the price for the sin that we owed and the, the pain that we had caused in the world. And he, he covered over, He washed away the sins of those who have received Him into their life. And that forgiveness, that relationship, that becomes the new rock of our life. That, that foundational relationship with Christ through faith, it's not built on what we do or our successes or what we gain in this world. It's built on what Jesus has done for us. That gives us that rock to stand on. When we apply His truth, we apply His Word, we apply the gospel to our life, it changes everything. And then from that point, we're standing on a solid foundation. Now, we can still build, and, and the waves may come, and they, they, may, they may swallow up some of the things that we try to build in this life, but it can't shake our foundation. And that's what Jesus is getting in here, and that's the real beauty. But then from there, when you start to apply God's Word and His wisdom, when you have that framework and understanding of what life's all about, when you start to live for the eternal, then you, then you start to apply God's truth into the other tangible, practical areas of this life, even the things that are short-term. The, the things that maybe won't matter so much long-term, you, you still take God's wisdom and truth and you apply it. You live what you learn from God as you're around Him and you learn His nature. And as you do that, it starts to transform everything about who you are and how you live your life. And so it's living a life that's built to last and it's all built on applying God's truth to your life. Now, you can take this into really practical areas. For example, in this teaching series, we're talking about possessions and, and money and the things that we practically deal with in this life because you do have a job and you do have a paycheck and that's how you put food on the table and you need a roof over your head and you need transportation. So how are we supposed to think about these temporary things of this world? Well, in the light of that eternal perspective through our relationship with Christ, 
Um, God does give us his truth on how to live in a way that honors him. And so when we live what we learn through scripture and what we learn from God and from his character and what he values, it should transform the very practical areas of our life like money. But it's not just knowing about God that changes us. It's like Jesus said, it's when we actually apply it that the transformation really happens. One of my favorite verses is in James chapter 1, verse 22, where it says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. It says, do what it says. Apply it to your life. Live it out. And, and you know, to illustrate this further, uh, James goes on because some of us, we hear that, but we don't, we don't get how, how crazy it is if we hear God's word and we don't apply it. And he, and he goes on in, in verse 23, he says, anyone who listens to the word, God's word, and they, they don't do what it says, it's like someone who looks at their face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Did you catch that? It said they will be blessed in what they do. Why? Why were they blessed? Because they did what God said. So any area, this is awesome. Any area of my life where I want God's blessing, I do what he says, right? I mean, it seems crazy, but it's so simple, but man, powerful. So if I want God's blessing in my life, I do what he says, all right? I want a blessed marriage then. All right, well then do it God's way. You're gonna get a blessed marriage. I, I, I want God's blessing in my career. Well, do it God's way. Well, then it's gonna be a blessed career. I want God's blessing on my finances. Well, do it God's way and you're gonna have blessed finances. Now, define blessing, Brandon. Are you saying if I just do everything God says, then, then I'm gonna be healthy and wealthy and all that and everything's gonna be perfect? No, that, that's what we talked about last week, the prosperity gospel. That's saying, hey, you just press these buttons and God's like this cosmic vending machine. You do this and then this is what you get. That's awesome. I just, God's like my little genie. I do, he'll do whatever I want. That's not what it's saying. But blessed meaning it will be better. It will be better. Not always in the, in the physical, tangible, like you would expect it in, in this world, but you will have more joy when you do it God's way. You'll have more peace when you do it God's way. You will build something that actually lasts when you do it God's way. So, so we, we've been talking in this teaching series how finances, we, we want to think about them differently because if we change our thinking, we'll change our life, right? And, and there's so many people out there. Dave Ramsey's one I'd highly recommend, but there's many more who can teach you the specifics on how to manage money better, how to, how to drill down and learn how to manage money and make the ends meet and all that. So that's not our goal in this teaching series. It's, it's to transform our thinking. But the question is, does God give us practical, you know, application on how to live this out and how to do things different with my possessions? Well, he does. And, and there's a lot of things we could talk about. But, but one of the, the things I want to hit today that I think will be tremendously helpful for many of us is found in Proverbs 13, 11. Dresses how I practically think about money. And it says, dishonest money dwindles away. But whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Dishonest money dwindles away. If we can kind of broaden that category uh, to include things like, you know, the, the windfall that, you know, you expect out of the lottery. You know, if I just buy this ticket, then, <laughs> then I'll just all of a sudden get wealthy. You know, when people get large sums of money unexpectedly, whether it's an inheritance or often like the lottery, they've studied this. Like people who win the lottery, they get millions of dollars, you know, and they're so excited. And they're that one person out of hundreds of millions of people that actually hit it and, and, and they got it. But then five years later, many of them are like broke or in a worse position than when they got the money. 
because they started living this great high life and, then, and it wasn't sustainable and, and they didn't have the management experience to manage a lot of money. It's actually a lot of work and, and, and they didn't know that and they got themselves in over their head and they lost it all. And money can come quick, but that kind of money can disappear real quick. Now, what, what it's saying here at the second part of this verse, it says, whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. And so there's a principle here, God's principle, the one who created all this. He says, those who are faithful with little, right, will be given more. Like little by little, month by month. Those who are good managers, we talked about that in the first week of this teaching series. Man, God, I want to manage everything that you've given me well. And something we say often here is faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. So if I'm faithful a little bit at a time, like little by little, then, then God will bless. The, the, there will be a progress in my life when I'm faithful with each day, with each month, with each year. And, and I have to be wise to do that. But the, the problem is that, that when, I, when I try to make progress on my own, doesn't it feel like life is always surprising you? Man, it's, it's horrible, isn't it? Like you're, you're, you're trying to make progress and then there's, a, there's an unexpected thing that happens. You know, when my, when my kids were young, my, my boys especially, when they were you know, two, three, four, five years old, man, I, I just realized how cool it was to be a dad. I'm like, why didn't I do this earlier? This is so great because they would ask me to do things as a dad that I would normally pay money to do. Like I remember one time being in our basement in our home in Michigan, the staircase came down in the center of the basement and there was like this circular pattern of the basement and we had these squishy, soft carpeted floors and there's a bunch of pillows we'd had down there in a couch and, and, and the boys would come up to me and say, Dad, how about we'll run around this circle and you can throw the pillows at us and try to knock us down. And I'm like, so you want me to throw the pillow at you and try to knock you down? They're like, yeah. I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> That's a great plan. So they would run around the circle. They'd come full tilt around the corner running at me and I'd take these pillows and like whip them at them. <laughs> you know, but sometimes they would fall, but a lot of times they would brace themselves and they would take it and then they would smile so big because they made it. They, they conquered dad, so they would just do another lap and they would just keep running. And I'm like, are you guys okay? Do you want me to stop? They're like, keep going, dad. <laughs> you know, just over and over again. <laughs> you know, and they loved it. They loved it. It was so much fun. Yeah, sometimes I feel like that in life, like, like I'm running circles. And, and, and every, every month, you know, every, every cycle and every paycheck, and it's like I'm trying to make progress, but then the car breaks down. <laughs> you know, or I, I'm trying to, you know, get things, you know, I, I'm trying to get this stuff paid off and this stuff saved up, and then all of a sudden there's a home repair I didn't expect. <laughs> you know, right? Or, or it's a medical bill. <laughs> there's just always something coming. And it's so hard to manage and be a good manager when there's all these unexpected things right in my face. So, so looking ahead, when God's saying little by little, we make it grow. Little by little, there's progress. I have to understand that there's a cycle of life and it's not going to come instantaneously. There's going to be setbacks. It's going to take a while before I see the fruit because faithfulness over time leads to fruitfulness. So we actually have a word for this. If, if you're like talking specifically, Brandon, how do you, help me with money because I need to get better with managing what God's given me. Well, we actually have a word for this, this little by little. And in fact, some of you in this room, you're not gonna like me saying this word because you think this word is a cuss word, right? You think you're like, Brandon, don't cuss in church. This is a bad word, but it's not a cuss word. It's not as bad as you think it is, but I want, I want to just kind of ease the pain here. Just say it with me. Everybody say budget, <laughs> Look at the person next to you and just say, budget. <laughs> yeah, some of you are like, no, make it stop, Brandon. I'm not in church. Like, no, this is a, 
This is a word that we have for this principle in the Bible, managing well what we've been given. A budget, a plan. A budget is a plan. Maybe if that helps you, you're like, I can't stand that word. Just say plan. It's a plan. It's a plan. But some of you, you're not, you don't budget and you don't plan for managing well what is in your life because, because you're not a numbers person. Some of you would just say that, right? How many would you say you're not a numbers person, you're not a math person? Anyone want to be honest and say that? Okay, there's quite a few hands up, and I know there's probably a few more. Just say, I'm, I'm just not a numbers person. Now, some of you don't do budgets and you don't do things like that, not just because you're personal, but it's because you've met somebody who loves this stuff. There's a few of you in the room right now that are salivating. You're like, we're talking about budgets in church. This is like awesome. I've always dreamed about this. This is great. There's something wrong with you. No, I'm just playing. I'm just kidding around. God's made you that way. That's, that's a gift. And, and, you, and you have an opportunity, responsibility to help other people who are not good at that stuff. But listen, somebody in here doesn't like budgets because you met somebody like that and you, it was like over your head. Like they they're, they're intense and they got their 40 line items in their budget and it's like all amazing and, and it works out every time. And you're like, my world doesn't work like that. I don't even get that and I can't do that. And like, that's just too much. And so you don't, cause you're like, that's not me. Some of you had a bad experience and it didn't work. You tried it once or three times and, and someone had a plan or a software or an app or something and you tried it and it didn't work. And so for you, you're like, budgets don't work. Like they don't work. I've tried it. Therefore they don't work. Some of you have had a bad experience with, you know, maybe a, a close relationship, probably like a, a marriage or a romantic relationship, and you tried to do this together, and you weren't on the same page, and it just turned you off to the whole thing. And so for you, this is like a, a bad deal. Some of you think it's like restrictive. To make a plan, to manage well what God's given me, especially in the area of money, that this sounds restrictive. But I want to challenge you to adjust your thinking. Again, we're talking about our thinking, okay? I'm not going to go through, don't worry, I'm not going to go through how to make a budget and here's all the 20 steps you need and, and here's a worksheet. Like, we're not going there. You can go get that. There's people out there that will give you that. But let's talk about your thinking because I would contend if you change your thinking about how you manage what God's given you, you'll go get the help you need and the practical things, right? So some of you don't manage well what God's given you because you're thinking like I can't do it or it doesn't work. Let me just help you out with something, okay? Just adjust your thinking a little bit. It works. <laughs> it actually works. I know this sounds crazy, but it actually works. Look at Proverbs 13, 4. It's right up here on the screen. A sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. They're fully satisfied. So, so the person who's apathetic about life, and you can translate this to a marriage, you can translate this to any area of your life, your spiritual life. The person who is apathetic, they're, they're not gonna see the accomplishment of their dreams. They're not gonna have the freedom that they long for, the options that they really want. The person, though, it says that's diligent, the person who's diligent, their desires are fully satisfied, little by little, making progress. And, and here's the point in your notes, if you wanna write this down. What works takes work. That's the lesson. What works takes work. This is huge. What works takes work. And man, if you could go back and talk to your, maybe you're a little further on along in life and you could go back and talk to yourself at 16 years old, wouldn't you tell yourself this? Like, wouldn't this be one of the top lessons? Hey, listen. Hey, what works takes work. It's gonna be hard. Like, like I, I know you wanna have a great career and you're dreaming all these great things, but that's gonna take work. It can happen, but it's gonna take work. You wanna have a good relationship. That's awesome, but listen, I've learned something now. It's gonna take work. It actually works. You can do it, but it takes work. You, you wanna manage well the finances in your life and all the things God's given you? Great. That's gonna take a lot of work. 
parenting. Oh my goodness, what a gift from God. It's gonna take a lot of work though. Like the things in life that are hard, the things that, the things that are difficult and challenging that take work, those are usually the best things in life. So listen, you can apply that to your life in every area. You wanna have a vibrant spiritual life? You wanna be on fire for the Lord? You wanna love Jesus? Come into worship and not just mouth the words on the screen, but when you sing, really sing from your heart because man, you've been walking with him all week long. How does that happen? Honestly, it takes work. Every, every day you got to wake up and you can say, today I'm going to spend time with Jesus. I'm going to read his word. I'm going to be in prayer. And you do that for six days, then you come on the seventh, and that's, the, that's just the, the pinnacle of it. That's what everything's been building up to at the end of the week. You're just an overflow of everything that's happened during the week. The pastor's message isn't just, you know, we talked about the pastor feeding us. It's, it's not the pastor's not feeding you anymore. You're self-feeding all week long. This is just coming and getting another perspective and, and encouraging you for the next week. It's like, I've been in God's word all week long. I'm not, I'm not malnourished spiritually because I only get God's word one time a week. Man, I've been feasting all week long, and I come in here, and this is like, amen to that. Yeah, I'm, I was just reading that the other day, man. God's, God's at work. It's not a one-time-a-week thing. But listen, it works. It's just going to take work. So, so breaking it back down to our finances, you know, a plan is how you work your finances. you got to have a plan. Now, I love what John Maxwell said. He said, a budget is people telling their money where to go instead of wondering where it went. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Like, we, we wonder, like, where did all the money go? You're at the end of the month. And you're like, where did all the money go? Well, a budget actually tells your money where to go because if you don't have a plan, then your money's gonna end up somewhere you don't want it to go and there won't be enough. But a plan is worth its weight in gold. I mean, you know what they say. That's true in every area. If you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. So make a plan. Make a plan and commit to it. Now, you gotta make a realistic plan. You can't, if you're new to this, or you're trying to update, you know, your plans, you can't go make like a 50-point budget. You're not going to stick with it. I'm just going to break the news to you right now. I know it sounds awesome to track every single thing in every little category. You're probably not going to do that. You might be the one out of 100 that does it, but most people won't. Keep it simple. Eight or 10 categories, shopping and food. And you just, you start simple and you can build it over time, but you start simple. Get help. Some of you, especially if you're in a marriage and you always fight over money, they say the number one reason or at least one of the top three reasons people divorce is because of money. And if that's you, get help. Don't do it alone. If you can't talk about money, bring someone else in to be a mediator. We recommend people all the time to go to Winning at Home. It's a, count, a Christian counseling and coaching center. And that's very important that they're Christian. They're people we know and trust. We've sent a lot of people there and had great experiences, great feedback. And, and because if you tell them you're from church experience, I mean, see one of us afterwards, we'll connect you, but they will give you the discounted rate, which is only $50, which is like a half or a third of what you would normally pay at a psychologist or counselor. But anyway, you go sit down with someone and, and, and let them coach you. Say, hey, here's our goals. Here's where we're at. Help us. Go to a friend or family member that's good at this and sit down with them. The Bible says that the counsel, it's wise to seek the counsel of many advisors. Go get help. Let others help you. And another thing is just review it often. Maybe for you, like trying to put a plan together on your money, it's stressful because you, you do it once a month, like when you tried it before. And then you got to the end of the month and you sat down at your little desk and you had a mountain of receipts, right? And, and it was like, it was unsustainable. You're like, I can't give my whole Saturday to this. This is, this is overwhelming. You just push back and you're like, you took those sack of receipts and you dropped it in the trash. You're like, oh, this feels good. I'm free. And you walked out of there like, oh, so, and, then, and then next month you had money problems again, right? So here's the thing. Do a little bit every day before you go to bed. Just spend like three or four minutes. Anything you spent that day, just put it where it goes in, in the right spot. Or, or maybe once a week. Do what works for you, but, but, but fit it into your life. Don't you try to fit into that. And, and then finally, just don't give up. Don't give up. It's going to be hard. You're going to have to readjust it. You're going to have to try. When, what, what thing have you done like the first time you got on a bike and you're like, woo, 
and you just rode all around the block and you never touched a bike before in your life. There's training wheels. There's seasons of, of preparation. Others coming alongside you. Dave Ramsey said, doing a budget means learning the ancient and powerful word, no. That's, that's the word that you're learning. And so maybe some of you have diagnosed a problem and said it's a math problem. I'm not good at numbers, but actually it's a spiritual problem. I think this could be true for a lot of us in, in a number of areas. We don't actually want to say no to ourselves. We, we want the freedom. We want to be able to do what we want to do, and we don't like a budget because a budget says, well, there's no money in the food budget, and I really want to go out to eat, or my friends are going out to eat. I really want to go do that. And I, I don't like Mr. Budget because he says no, and I don't like him to say no. I want to say yes, so I'm just going to scrap the budget so I can do what I want to do. But here's what the Bible says, just our thinking again. The Bible says the borrower is slave to the lender. It says over time, you actually have less freedom if you don't have a plan and manage well what you're given. Because if you manage well what God's given you, think about this, over time, you will have more options. So you'll have more freedom. But if you don't manage it well, then what's gonna happen? You're gonna, you're gonna have all these debts, you're gonna have a lot of stuff, and you won't have options, you won't have savings, and so you'll wanna do something. Oh man, I would love to go on that trip. I would love to go do something or get this vehicle or this home, but I can't because I haven't managed well what I have been given, right? So, so we, we want to have more freedom long-term, and, and we, want, we wanna choose to discipline ourselves now because there'll be a no in your life at one point or another, and you can say no yourself now, or, or you can have a no be dictated to you later on because you don't have the option. So which one is it? You know, and your parents might have taught you this when you were a kid and you forgot about it. Like work first and play later. Work first and play later. But a lot of us are playing right now and we're not, we're not taking seriously the role of managing what God's given us. And so we're not gonna be able to play later. We're not gonna have those options later to do what we really want. And I'm gonna come back to that in a moment. Jennifer and I were dating. We, we met at 18. We started dating at 19 years old. And uh, we started dating. We were in San Diego, California, and, and just had a, a great, you know, first few years of dating. But part of that season, it was hard. It was as we were in school in the Midwest, and there would be times where she would go home for a summer or something like this, and we were separated by 2,000 miles. And that was, that was horrible. And, and I, I, I was a long-distance relationship for a little bit, and I, I wanted to be with her. I mean, I, the phone, we had a phone call set up after she got out of work, and I, I couldn't wait to talk to her. And I'm like, come on, get out of work. I'm watching the phone, watching the time, because I want to talk to her. I want to hear what's going on. I wanted, I wanted to connect. And, and then when the phone call was done, it was disappointing, because I, I wanted to, like, I had to wait, like, two more months before I'd actually see her again. Right, man, this is a, this is a bummer. Like, I want to be with her. I want to hang out. I want to go out together. Honestly, I want to kiss her. You know, it's like, I, I got to wait. And it's so hard waiting. But when you wait, then over time, and you wait on God's time, God can bring good things, better things into your life. And part of making a plan, and this is the problem in us, is, is the fruit of the Spirit of God in our life is patience. And we don't come born downloaded with patience, do we? We're naturally impatient in our flesh, and we want what we want now. And that's got a lot of us into a world of trouble. But, but in our finances, we say, you know what, God, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. And that might mean I drive this car. I, I want to upgrade this car because it's got some issues. But instead of financing it now, I'm going to pay myself some car payments, and I'm going to save up and wait, and I'm going to get that new vehicle later down the road. I'm going to upgrade my vehicle later. But by doing that, I'm learning a spiritual thing. It's not just a practical money management thing. Some of you are saying, well, I don't really care if I have a payment. It's not about that. It's just your thinking. It's a spiritual thing. It's saying, I'm going to learn to have discipline and patience. I'm going to do the right thing. Because what's different about you being in a moment of temptation and saying, well, this sounds fun. This, this is going to feel good. I want this. 
but knowing, you know what, this is not best for me long term. See, if you'll change your thinking even in areas of your money, you'll see you, you win a disciplined area in one area of your life, you'll see victories in other areas. I, I guarantee you, it's, 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 a, it's a spiritual thing inside of us. You learn, here's what you learn, how you think. You learn, I'm gonna take the short-term low now so I can get the long-term high. Or you can chase the short-term high now, but then you're gonna have a long-term low. So what, what do you want? It's saying, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose to sacrifice. So here, here's, my, here's my, my plan for you. I have it in your notes, okay? Brandon's giving me homework again. Here it is. Prayerfully update the budget this week. I want you to do this. And if you're, if you're a married couple, you might need to go get help. You might have someone sit down with you. But, but update it. Just, just take, take a little time. Give yourself 30 minutes. Just sit down. Give yourself an hour. Sit down and, and, and just, just plan it out. Or update it. Refresh it if you haven't looked at it for a while. And, and here's the important word I put in there, prayerfully. Pray. Sit down and pray. And say, God, we want to be good managers. I want to be a good manager of everything you've given me. So in this area that touches my life every single day, this touches everything I do. I can't get food without money. I can't live in somewhere without money. I can't have transportation without money. So God, it's a real part of my life, and I know you care about my life, and so this is important to you. It's important to me, and I want to be a good manager. So God, help me know how to make a plan that's going to actually work. And I don't know how it's going to work, but I want to take a step there. I don't want to pretend it doesn't exist and the problems aren't there. I want to actually make a good plan, and I want to honor you. And, and pray about it. Bring it to him. You know, God actually says a lot about money. And there's, there's, you have one more lesson in your teaching notes that comes out of a, a story that Jesus told because he does care. He does care how we manage things. And he actually is okay with you saving up money. He's actually okay with you not living paycheck to paycheck. But there's an interesting verse that I want to point this out. And it's, it's a story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 12, verse 13. So someone in the crowd said to him, said to Jesus, teacher, tell, tell my brother uh, and I to divide the, the inheritance with me. Tell, tell him to divide it with me. Says, they got a money issue they can't figure out in the family. And Jesus says, man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? It's almost like he doesn't care about the, the practical issue that they have. But, but that's not true at all if you read further. He says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Because the, the real problem was they wanted something they weren't getting. I want more for me. No, I want more for me. It was a fight over getting more in the flesh in this life. And Jesus says, life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. It's not all about what you have. There's so much more important things in life than what you have. And he went on to illustrate with this story. He, he said, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain." And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? That's the important word there. It's all about him. It's what you've prepared for you, for yourself. Verse 21, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. So Jesus here, he's pointing out something really important. He's not saying that savings or investing or you know, getting in a better place financially is a bad thing. That's not what he's saying. He's saying this guy had abundance. Never said that was wrong. He had a lot. But, but he said, this person took all that they had, all their plans, kind of like building the sandcastle on the beach where we started. They've built this great monument to themselves with their finances. Everything that they got was all about themselves. It, 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 was, it was all about him. Like, you know, this is all for me. This is all for me. It's all about me. 
And Jesus said, this person's foolish because one day the count's gonna be settled. One day this person's gonna stand before a holy God in heaven and God's gonna say, hey, you've been given so much. What did you do with it that really mattered? He said, this is how it's gonna be for everyone who's rich in this world, but not rich toward God. We're all rich. We've all been given so much. You say, I'm not rich, Brendan. And you have no idea. There's people in the world that would die to be in your situation. They literally, some of them would die to allow you know, their child to be in your situation to live in a free country, to have a roof over the head, clean water that they don't have to walk miles to drink. You get the idea that you have a lot more than you think. And when we stand before God, God's gonna say, well, I gave you all this. What did you do with it? You know, we have boats that cruise around in the Gulf and right behind them, they all have the same thing. They have a wake. And sometimes you'll see in the wake of a boat, you'll see a dolphin jump, which is really cool. I always love seeing that. But you'll see trailing these boats, you'll see the waves. You'll see the wake. And, and just like that in your life, you have a wake of everything that you've spent. You know, the Bible says when we stand before God one day, we'll give an account for every, every word that we've, we've spoken. Like, I, mean, I don't know, does that, does that extend into our, our, our checkbook? <laughs> Is it like everything we've ever done? I, I, don't, I don't know, but, but I know that we give an account. And, he, and here's the, the, the question. Were you a good manager? Will God look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. I gave you life. I, I gave you relationships. I gave you abilities. I gave you resources, money. What did you, what, in the wake of your life, you, you were given 60 years or 95 years, whatever God gives you. In, in the wake of that life, what did you do with it? Is there anybody here? I imagine God kind of turning to heaven. Like, is there anybody here because you lived? all the poor that were struggling and in desperate need and living in poverty, did you help any of them? Like, what did you do with your life that really lasted? Or did you just build a big sandcastle that once you died, it was washed away by the waves of time and forgotten about? Don't live a life that's short-term. This is why you can live a life that in the world's eyes looks successful, but when you get to the end of your life, you have an emptiness and a regret. I'm just saying don't waste your life. And Jesus here wasn't saying you shouldn't have a retirement plan. Go ahead and have your 401k. You should be wise and save up because one day you probably won't have the health to work like you can now. Go ahead and pay off your mortgage one day. It's great. Get on a plan to pay it off. Get out of debt. It's a great plan. Like, he's not saying that. He's saying anyone who has a lot, and we've been given a lot, but they're not rich toward God, they're not putting God first in their life, that person's foolish because they're building something that's all about them. So we could ask the question, you know, what did you do in the last year that actually expanded God's kingdom with, with your time, with your money, with things like that, that actually helped others who were in need. But probably a better question is to look back on the other side and say, well, what did you do that was for you? Because that's a little easier to spot. Like, where did you go out to eat? How many times? Did you, did you go on any trips? Did you, did you have a nice car? Did you live in a nice house? All those things. Okay, so if, if all those things are true, then you're very much like this guy. You, you have a lot of good things in your life. You've been able to do a lot. God's blessed you. That's good. Now we can ask the question, are you rich toward God as well? Because if you're rich toward God and you've been able to do all that, then great. If you've been honoring God and living for God and you've been generous and God's blessed you, then that's amazing. But if you've, you've been living this, it's all about me, you've been building a sandcastle and one day all that's gonna be gone. Are you living for what's mat what really matters? You know, my parents, before I give you this final teaching point, my, my parents taught me when I was young, I had my first job. I was like, I don't know, I was coming out of elementary, I think into middle school and I got a paper out. And I'd always had a job. I worked in a furniture factory when I was 16 years old. I, I worked at a, a car place, washing cars. I worked in customer service. I had a lot of different jobs in my middle school, high school years. And 
And I, I learned to work, but I learned how to manage what God's given me. And I made my fair share of mistakes, honestly. But, but one of the things my parents taught me early on, they said, Brandon, when you get that first paycheck, there's three things you need to do with it. And it wasn't really a request at that point in my life. It was like, this is what you're going to do. <laughs> they said, you're going to give back to God that first tenth. What God gives you, the Bible calls that a tithe, and it's a principle throughout the Bible because God gave us a principle because we always will justify spending more on us. If there's no measure, like no, there's no marker, then I'm going to spend 100% or maybe 105% on me. It's all going to be about me. So you give back that first tenth to God, and then you take the next tenth, and they say, Brandon, you're going to save that. You're going to put that away. And I remember my dad walking me down to a checking account and opening a checking account when I was old enough, and, and he's like, you're going, to, this, you're going to save the next tenth. Now, you can do whatever you want with the other 80. I'm like, Whatever. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, really, I can do whatever I want. This is your money. I'm like, all right, woo, let's do it. And so I started on that plan. And I've, I've tried to live out that plan most of my life. I haven't always got it right, but most of my life I've tried to live that out. And, and, and man, what, what a game changer versus living on, on 105%. Whatever your incomes, man, I made $100 a week at one point in my life. So, so our income has been up and down. And when Jen worked and when she didn't, we had kids and, and all those things. It's gone up and down continuously throughout life. But I've always tried to say, all right, God, you're first. And maybe when you put that budget together this week, what you need to do is to say, God, wherever I'm at, whether I'm giving nothing or something or I'm tithing or whatever, I'm gonna, put, I'm gonna take a big step and I'm gonna write you first on that line. Why? Because of this verse, or Matthew 6, Seek first, everybody say first. Seek first his kingdom. That's what goes first. So that's the first thing, God. And, and whatever I'm giving, I'm gonna give something, God, because I fund what matters to me. I'm going to give to your kingdom. I'm going to help the poor. I'm going to help those in need. I'm going to fund your kingdom movement in the, in the world through the church. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then look at this. This is amazing. And all these things will be given to you as well. So God, you're my provider. When I put you first and I put things in the right order, you take care of me. Here it is in your notes. If Jesus is my first love, then he should also be first in finances. I think that's the real heart of this, this story. Jesus is saying God needs to be first. This is the last area you're going to put him first in. You might put him first in your time, and you might start reading the Bible every day or going to church. You're going to put him first in maybe in serving others and your efforts. You might even hang some Bible verses around your home. You might start praying as a family, but probably the last thing you're going to change as you mature spiritually. It's one of the last things we mature in is saying, man, my stuff, my, my money, my material possessions, my goals, my dreams. God, I, I, want, to, I want to build something great in this life. And, and Jesus is looking at you saying, hey, you can still build a great life. I'm not telling you not to build a great life. I'm telling you to put first things first because if you build a great life that's not God first, you're not building something that's gonna last. So here's the challenge. Put God first, but you'll need a tool to do that. And that's why we're ending a little different this week. And I'm gonna have you stand in a moment. And on the way out today, we're gonna give you a gift. In fact, we've already received the offering. It's like, Brandon, is this building up to a big offering? No, we already took the offering today. So that's already done. So you can't give. I mean, I guess you could go online or things like that. But, I mean, it's, it's kind of done for this week. I actually want you to change your thinking about this. And so I'm going to give you something. And on the way out, we're going to give you a coin. And you, you've seen these around. Uh, maybe if you've traveled a little bit or you've been in any kind of touristy place, they have pressed pennies. And uh, we, we got one pressed, and it has you know, church experience on there in 2019 and all that. If you can remember it where you got it. But... But on the top, it says the same thing that our currency says. It says, in God we trust. In God we trust. And my mentor, Pastor Kevin Myers, uh, talked years ago, something that stayed with me, he talked about being an economic atheist. So you, you claim to believe in God. We claim to believe in God. 
But when we don't trust him with our money, when we don't trust him with our stuff, we're actually an atheist when it comes to what we believe. And even though our currency says in God we trust, if you break down how we actually spend our money, if when you're dead and gone, your kids look through your finances, will there be enough of a trail left there that they would point them to faith and point them to God and what really mattered to you? Man, they were really generous. Man, they were always giving to others. They really built God's kingdom. Or would they look through your finances and not see any sign of faith? They would be pointed toward more of a self-centered, self-serving life with whatever you leave them. My hope is that throughout your life, you will build a life that's in God we trust. God, when I look at my currency, it's, it's not in money I trust. It's in you I trust. I have to use currency to live. But I'm gonna set this out as a reminder. I'm gonna put it somewhere. Maybe when I'm making that budget, and I'm gonna put you first. You're first. And maybe I, I can't give a lot right now to you, God, or I can't give a lot to others. I wanna be a generous person. I'm in over my head. We'll let God work with you and get you to a better place so that, let that be your why. So God, I can be a good manager and I can be a generous person. Right on. Thanks for joining us at Church Experience Online. Please don't forget to check out the website if you'd like to get more connected, learn more, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially. You're now going to hear a Church Experience Worship Original Song, and we hope this gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned today.